We've been in a series called A Culture of Honor. Everybody say honor. Turn to the person next to you and say honor. And so we started this series about two weeks ago. This is our third week. And we started it on the pretense of the Holy Scripture that says that we're to honor each other. It actually says it like this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. Living as servants of God. If you're living as a servant of God, say me. All right, a third of you, thank you. Uh, and verse 17, it says, And honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor. And we started on this pretense that honor has been lost in churches, in families, in our nation. To honor means to esteem, to count as valuable, say this is precious. Therefore, to dishonor means to treat it as commonplace, to, to just kind of throw it aside or just expect it to always be there. And we went the first week down through What will happen if you and I live as people of dishonor? We looked at the parable of the the wayward son or the prodigal son, as the scripture named it. Jesus gave this this storyline about this son who came to his dad and said, I want what's mine and I want it now. And the dad was like, okay. And so he sold off whatever, half the business, whatever he had to, to give this young man what was his inheritance before it was time. And that young man, the Bible says, went off into a distant land and squandered all that wild, frivolous living. And then he came to his senses. And from that parable, we study the power of dishonor, how it destroys our lives. It was a warning to us not to be like the prodigal son, even though we serve the Lord, that we not be people who dishonor, but people who treat each other and the Lord and others with great esteem and value. And so then last week, we went into the Four entities that we see in Scripture that are very critical that we're to honor, that we're to esteem. We started, number one, with the Lord. The Bible says very clearly we're to honor the Lord. And, um, and, and we kind of broke that down just a little bit last week. To honor the Lord means to treat him as precious. He's not our lap dog. He's not our get-out-of-jail-free card. He's not the little dude that we come and hang out with a little bit and sing a couple of rock songs to him, and then we go about doing what we're going to do all throughout our day and all throughout our week. No, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And at the end of it all, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Even the most hideous, hateful person in the world will say, I'm sorry, you are God. I know I am, but it's a little too late for you, buddy, because you missed it when you were there on earth. Friend, let me tell you something. He is the Lord. He calls us his friend. He does. But at the same time, our position is that you are Lord. And that respect and that honor is what brings us value. The second entity that we studied last week that we're to honor according to Scripture is our moms and dad, our fathers and our mothers. And we put up here in front of you uh, on the stage uh, four generations of godly women, all pastors. We brought Miss Betty up here and and she, she told her story about, as the great-grandmother, she told her story was she got saved and her family were not Christians. And she talked about how, how when she got saved, she began to follow the Lord with all of her heart. And she began to dishonor her own mom because she said, my mom doesn't know God. And so I don't have to listen to my mom and dad. I just need to listen to the things in the Bible, which is true, but not completely true. And two years or so, she said, into her ministry life with her husband, the Lord rebuked her and said, you've dishonored your mom. She repented to her mom and said, I know that I've dishonored you, and I want to repent of that. And although I chose to follow the Lord and where, where I was supposed to go in college and things like that, but, um, but I, I felt like I dishonored you in that process, and I want to repent. And I believe it was that repentance and that honoring that she came back and gave to her mom, who wasn't a Christian, that then empowered her daughter. To say, Miss Diane, to say, you know what? My mom is the person of honor, and I honor her. Which then empowered Kinsey 
to say, my mama and my grandmother are women of God, and I honor them, and now Evie the same, right on, right on down. And I don't know about you, but I want a legacy of honor throughout my, my family. I want my children's children's children to love the Lord. And I want them to say, great-grandpa was the real deal, and he loved God with all of his heart. And so today, we're going to close out, not the series, but close out the, the entities that we're to honor. So we started first with the Lord, second was our moms and dads. And today, number three, here we go. This is going to be a hurtful one. It's going to be painful, but we got to go there. And that is authority. Those in authority. For you, may that may not be a difficulty. But for me, it was a very difficult task to honor those in authority. In fact, I didn't believe that anybody that was in authority had any value. Um, growing up, you, you may or may not know my testimony, but my mom got pregnant with me at 16. I never met my real father. I didn't have a dad up here dedicating me to the Lord, looking the pastor and the congregation in the face and saying, yes, I will raise my child in the things of the Lord. My, my father ran off and didn't have anything to do. And so single mom, and then my mom somewhere when I was about six years old got married. And she married this drug dealing, you know, crackhead who was, uh, was, was, was brutal and vicious and, uh, and just, uh, just a harsh, harsh man, angry man, full of violence. And he had come out of the military. And I can remember him as my stepdad beating on me, cursing me, devaluing me, calling me stupid. Some of my earliest memories is being seven, eight years old and him walking in my room. And if he could not bounce a quarter off of my bed because I had, had made my, uh, put my sheets and my blankets on there properly, if he could not bounce a quarter, he'd beat on me. And he called me stupid. And I'll never forget the moment my mom and I came home early. One day she picked me up from school because she had flu symptoms. So she left work, picked me up, came home, and he was in bed with another woman. I'll never forget that as long as I live. And the hatred and the anger that I had for an authoritative position in my life. And from that point forward, we moved on in life, and I ended up becoming a Christian. I won my mom to the Lord. Her boyfriend then at the time, he got saved. We became a family. He became my second stepdad and is my dad today. We call him Pop McCain, and I love him with all of my heart. But I then went through a journey as being a Christian of those in authority over me, men especially, as they attempted to tell me what to do, correct me, I would lose my mind. I had no respect. I did not value him. In fact, you were a good friend until I found out you were in a position of authority. And then I hated you. And it stemmed from this stepdad experience early in life. I can remember when my mom and dad put me in a Christian school after being saved for a couple years. They thought, hey, let's put him in a Christian school. So they put me in a Christian school. And those days they could still give you licks anytime you did something bad. And I stayed in the, Christian, in the office. I stayed getting licks. And one particular period is about a six-week period of being in the office every day getting licks. I'll never forget the principal who had, been a, who had played, uh, I think he played football. He's a big, big man. And, uh, and he goes, here you are again. And I'm doing, what, I'm doing the thing that I always, it wasn't my fault. They're out to get me. Everybody here is an idiot. They're stupid. This isn't fair. You should have seen it. It's not my fault. And I'll never forget. He looked at me and said, can I tell you something? I said, yeah. He said, you're stupid. I went, what? He goes, listen to me, son. He said, she's in charge. Just shut up. Stop running your mouth. Just, it's, it, you keep getting yourself in trouble because you won't just submit to the person who's in charge. And it's going to destroy your life. But I'm going to help work it out of you. Bend over. Because the Bible says to drive it out. We got to not spare the rod. And he, whop, whop, whop. But something happened in that moment besides the pain. I had a revelation. Oh, she's in charge. Even if I don't like her or I don't think it's fair, if I'll just shut up and just let it be, I won't keep getting these licks. Aha, uh-huh. 
It was amazing. It didn't necessarily completely set me free, and I continued to journey with my conflicts with those in authority until I came to Romans chapter 13. Oh, let us journey together these words from the Holy Scripture that are going to be so painful. Romans 13 and verse 1. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no... Everybody say no. Does it say that in the Scripture? Check it in your Bible. Pull it up on your iPhone. For there is no... Everybody say no. No authority except that which God has established. Are you kidding me? There is no authority except for that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. You got to be kidding me. Have you met my boss? Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he'll commend you. For he is God's servant. To do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath to bring punishment to the wrongdoer. Verse 5. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. In other words, conscience. Not just because they could, they could fire you or because they could, they could put you in jail or whatever the case may be, but because of conscience sake, because you now realize that God put them there even if you don't like them. Even if they're wicked. It's God's establishment. The position of authority. I'll help, I'll help you with your doctrine on that a little second. But get, let me finish. It says, and, and this is why you pay taxes. Come on now. For the authorities of God. The IRS are servants of God? What? Who give their full time to governing. Verse 7. Give everyone what is owed him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. What, what the scriptures are explaining to us is that God set things in motion from the beginning of time. That there would be those in authority and those of us that would submit to them. And then we would be over other people who would submit to us. You see that in a family unit, for example, which is the original governing body. We see that there was a husband who was the head of the wife, who's the head of the children. And the children's the head of the dog. And it just keeps going on and on. And then they have children. and they're the, You see what I'm saying? And so God set the whole system of an authority figure in place. He didn't necessarily put the wicked person over you, but he set the system in place. And therefore, we must submit to the system. We must submit to that position. We must for what he put in place, even if that person is wicked and horrible. Are you with me? Say yes. And the only time we rebel against that is if they do something illegal, unscriptural, or immoral and ask us to do the same. And so what we see that God placed these things and made these things happen. And so the problem that many of you and I run into is that the person in a position of authority doesn't deserve our honor in our mind because they're not honorable and there's nowhere in scripture that that concept is justified. I know you missed it, so I'll say it again. So what we look at somebody and say, if if you're honorable, then I'll honor you. I don't care what your position is, and I don't care who you think you are. Because I know who I am, and nobody's going to talk to me like that. I don't care who you are. And so as a result, we don't honor unless we think they're honorable. But that's nowhere proper in Scripture. It's not proper. God put people in those positions, and because they're in that position, we must honor them. That doesn't mean that we have to allow them to beat on us or mistreat us or anything like that. But there has to be honor. And honor means to what? Value. To esteem is high. And so let's talk. Let me give you a couple of thoughts on how can you and I go about honoring those in authority? How do we do that? First and foremost, first step, number one, is that you and I submit to the fact that God has allowed them to have this position. If you'll submit to that fact that your boss 
that God's in this some kind of way, and so I just submit to that fact. Because the more you fight against it, and you're the devil, and I'm praying you out, I'm praying hemorrhoids, I'm praying something happened, a car accident, something, get you out of my life. The more you do that, the more you don't surrender to the concept that God put in Scripture that we just read, out of, again, out of Romans chapter 13, that God put authority in its position. And so when you and I just submit to the fact, surrender to the fact, God did it, so God's in charge here. God's got a plan. It's all good. When we surrender to that, then something great can happen. For example, we, years ago, we were youth pastors. I mean, back in Louisiana, we had this large youth ministry, and um, there was a gal who was one of our young leaders. She got radically saved. At 16 years old, she was leading a small group. I might even be 15. Leading a small group with, with like 10, 15 girls in her small group. She was so on fire for God. And I'll never forget the Wednesday night she came, tears coming down her cheek, came up to me at the altar area after service and said, Pastor, I'm so sorry. Pray for me. I don't know what to do. I'm sorry to interrupt you like this, but I've got a big problem. I said, what is it? She said, my mom, and we had already been praying for her mom. I said, oh yeah, your mom, who's the stripper, uh, the barmaid, excuse me, not a stripper, barmaid, who's always drunk and, 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 you know, and has multiple men in her life. She goes, yeah. She said, yesterday she told me that I could not come back to church. This was my last time. I said, why did she do that? She said, well, I was having small group, and all the girls were in my living room. We were worshiping. Mom was off doing something, and all of a sudden, she came in, and we were worshiping, and we were crying, and Mom came in drunk, and so we laid hands on her, and when she kind of came out of her stupor, she got embarrassed that we were all there, and she got mad and made me get everybody out of the house, and then afterwards, she told me I could never come back to church. What do I do? Well, by this time, I had already grown a little bit in my faith, and I understood that that mom, albeit although she was wrong, although she was horrible, although she was being destructive with this situation, that she was authority, whether good, bad, or ugly, she still was authority. And I said, according to Romans 13, we have to submit. You have to submit and honor what she's asking of you. Yeah, but what about my small group? I, I don't know. I just know that you have to do it. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, she's one of our best leaders. What are we going to do? But Lord, we just put it in your hands. For three months, that girl didn't come to church. I mean, we were calling her and checking on her and that kind of thing. Couldn't come to church, couldn't have small group at the house, nothing. None of that kind of stuff for three months. Finally, somewhere about the third month, and this little girl, caught, she, caught the, the, she caught the vision that she needed to have a good attitude in the whole process. And so in the, at the end of it all, her mom would wake up one Sunday morning and said, let's go to your church. Out of the clear blue. She showed up at church with her mom. Mom raised her hand to get saved, came down the front. We laid hands on her. She got delivered. She got married to her boyfriend. They became a happy family. And that young lady, her and her husband, pastor one of the fastest growing churches in Arkansas right now. I believe it has everything to do with the moment that she said, you know what? I don't like this. This doesn't feel right. It doesn't seem right. But the scripture says. See, that's what separates us from everyone else is that we obey the scriptures, even if we don't it, does, it doesn't seem like the right way. That's not the way I was raised. I was raised, and I don't know about you, but I was raised, if you hit me, I'm going to hit you harder. If you look like you're going to take from me, I'm going to knock you out and run fast. If you're an authority and you don't handle your position properly, I have all right to disrespect you and make you fail. That's how I was raised. That's how you were probably raised. And to now read this in Scripture, I'm like, what language is this? What alien document am I trying to live by? But this is the ways of the Lord our God. That's why we're called believers. Because we believe and follow his teachings. So we're talking about esteeming and valuing authority. Number one, embrace the fact that it's the Lord. Submit to that it's the God that put them in their position. Number two, treat them as valuable. You say, well, how do I do that? Well, that's exactly right. How do you do that? So how do you treat your mom as valuable? Because how I would treat my mom as valuable may not be how you should treat your mom as valuable. I don't know what that is. You would know. 
For example, how do I treat my boss's value? Well, one of the things I learned to do with my bosses over the years was find, figure out their language. Have you ever noticed some of the people you work for, who knows what they're talking about? It's like, dude, you were, what? I didn't know I was supposed to do it. Yeah, in that meeting, I wrinkled my brow. Oh, so that means I was supposed to go do this over here? Yeah. Okay, that's not in any business class I ever took. And what I've had to learn over the years is learn the language of my boss, of my authority. Just figure out how they do it. It may not be the way your last boss did it. Your last boss may have been amazing and very grateful and came around saying, that a boy, that a boy, that a boy. Now, this boss don't even give you the time of day, but yet they pay you better. And you got to learn their language. you got to learn what they're doing. So that's how I value the people around me is, 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 that are in authority over my life. I figure out what their mode of communication. My pastor is in Arkansas, big, big church. You know what? He doesn't, he, I don't get to see him very often. If he texts me, that's a moment. That means in all, I mean, his little small church of 15, 20,000, he texts me. Don't think that I'm not, hey, hey, how you doing? You want to talk right now? Not because I'm a loser. Not because I'm like, <laughs> because I honor him. And that's all he has. I called him one time and he couldn't return my phone call for a couple of weeks. It didn't break my heart. That's his mode. That's his way. And I just learned his way. And that is a position of honor for what I have for him. So whatever you're dealing with, with a person that's an authority, if you would just value them, if you'll just say, I will value you. And that means I got to learn you. That means I got to treat you as precious. Third and final piece, you still there? Say yes. Third and final piece is that you need to make them successful. Make them successful. So how do I value those in authority over me? Make them successful. I've worked for multiple ministries, and every ministry, they were better when I left than when I got there. I've made them successful. In fact, I told the first service, one church that I worked for, uh, the pastor decided that he was going to buy all, uh, you know these drive-through Christmas light things that you do at Christmas, and you see all the Christmas displays, and these companies now do it, like uh, Grand Prairie does it, you know, at their, at their part. But he bought one of those, the used leftover version as the, new, as the company changed out all their lights. And so it was me and a couple others. We got the task of setting those lights up and manning those lights as the entire Metroplex tried to drive through it and see the lights. That sounds fun, right? It was fun the first two days. The problem was we started on Thanksgiving night, which means I worked all, all week Thanksgiving week to set them up, to, to organize it and that kind of thing, me and my team. We worked through the night until the last person left, and then we did that every night till New Year's Day. Three years, I didn't go home to see my mom and dad for Christmas, Thanksgiving, or whatever. And I'm telling you, there was a moment when my mom called me and said, so your pastor won't let you come home for Christmas. What kind of pastor? I mean, she lost her mind that Christmas. She was mad. I was like, Mom, there's so many people getting saved as a result of this. We're talking and ministering to people outside in the cold. It's awesome. And I'm making him successful. And I want you to know, I believe the Lord has honored me because I've honored him. And I gave myself to that. It was a lot of hard work. But the Lord blessed it, and the Lord multiplied it. I made them successful. And you need to make your boss, your wife, your husband, you need to make those in authority, your mom and dad, you need to make them successful. And I promise you, I promise you, you'll receive the same thing that you sow. Isn't that good? Say yes. So we started today. The, the third entity was authority. And the fourth entity that we see in Scripture that we're called by God in Holy Scripture to honor. You ready? Here we go. Number four is one another. We find it in Romans chapter 12. You'll see it on the screen. Romans chapter 12 and verse 10. And it says it like this. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Honor one another above yourselves. That goes against everything we were raised to do. 
Honor one another. Treat one another more valuable than you treat yourself. Can you imagine if every church member honored the person sitting around them more than they honored themselves? You would receive such love because the person next to you is not worried about getting love today. They were trying to give love. That you would, you would have all your needs met because the person sitting next to you showed up to try to figure out how to meet your needs while you're sitting there trying to feed, meet somebody else's needs. Can you imagine a church that honored one another? Imagine what that would look like. Now, this scripture is mainly talking about the body of believers, but there are multiple scriptures that connect with this one that would talk about honoring one another just as humanity, just honoring one another because the person at Walmart is a living, breathing human who looks like God the Father because he created us in his image. And just by honoring, treating them as valuable. And so I want to give you a couple little practical idea thoughts. I don't know how scriptural they are, but they're good things on how you and I can honor folks. All right. Number one, when you refuse to enter into a complaint against your brother and sister in the Lord, that's showing honor right there. Can I just, I say it to the church all the time. If you're new, you'll hear it like this. If you've been coming to church here and we haven't offended you yet, just keep coming. We're going to get you. Eventually we're going to get you. I promise you. Why? Because we're human, right? I'm going to tick you off at some point. Man, that pastor's stupid. Can't believe that. And then you're going to tick me off probably as much too. It's called doing life together. And so the way we honor one another is when we frustrate one another and we agitate one another and we don't treat each other exactly the best way we could. And, and we try to do Matthew 18 and we sit down and we talk with one another. But we don't sit around complaining about, you know what she did? She did it again. Oh, my gosh, she did that to me. Oh, man. Let's get her. Let's make everybody hate her. And so we honor one another when we don't sit around complaining about it. And we just say, you know what? God's good, man. They're awesome. They don't control my destiny. God loves me. I love them. They just had a bad day, and that bad day affected me. But God is awesome. Come on, somebody ought to say amen right there, because that's just good teaching right there. And here's the other way, give you a couple other practical ways that we can honor one another, and that is when you hold the door for one another, you're showing honor. Isn't that simple but sweet? I teach my kids to do that. In fact, my daughters know that they will not get out of the car until me or their brother opens the door for them. And in fact, if you ask any of my daughters, what do you call a man who won't open the door for you? They, they'll tell you straight up, both of them, bum. That's who they are. They're a bum. He said, come on, fathers, go ahead and get a little bit embarrassed, fellas. You need to. Because my daughters will know. They'll never date anybody who's a loser. Why? Because I treat them with such respect and such value that the moment someone's disrespecting or devaluing them, they're like, you ain't. No, sir. In fact, anybody who's going to want to date my daughters at some point better come with some money because I'm dating them now and showing them what it ought to look like and treating them well. So they better come with something because I'm valuing them. They'll never step down out of that value once they've experienced real value, once they've experienced real honor. And so when you open the door for people, you're saying, hey, come on in. Come on, God bless you. Hey, I do it all the time. Say, at Walmart, if you're a fellow, I'll knock you down and get in front of you. But if you're a gal, I'll open the door. My mama trained me right. Come on, my grandmother, hold the door for the ladies. Hold the door. Show honor and respect. And that's kind of what has been missing. Can you imagine if our culture came back to that? Can you imagine if we had that culture in our church? Well, we have it, and we're going to keep growing it in Jesus' name. Here's another thought. When you help, when you help others uh, unload their stuff. I mean, I love, man, listen, I'm just telling you, I'm so, I love me. Uh, the Stanleys, you know, Brother Everett stands out there. He's got a bad knee that ha- he's had replaced. He'll stand out there, open the door for you guys. And if you're trying to unload somebody out your trunk, he gets out there with that knee. He's kind of hobbling and pulling stuff in just because he just loves you. He just shows honor. Just little simple things to show honor, to say you're valuable to me. I recognize what you're going through right now. 
Here's another thought that I've learned to how to show value, and that is to patiently wait. Somebody who's supposed to be waiting on you. You ain't had that experience, huh? Yeah, Friday, my battery started going out in my car, so I went to, I went to this place that re- changes out batteries in their automotive section. I don't want to mention the store, big blue sign. <sighs> and uh, walked up and went inside. I said, I need to change out a battery. She said, oh, if you just go stand outside at the little such and such little desk out there, they'll serve you. I said, oh, okay. So I walked out there and, and I watched as 10 people stood around talking. None of them looked up at me. They texting each other, high-fiving each other. I'm just sitting there. Five minutes passed, ten minutes passed. Finally, a guy come moseying on over to me. Can I help you with something? Yeah, I'd like to get a battery. All right, walks off. I just stand there patiently. Just trying to show honor. I could throw a fit, make them all jump. Then I remembered, I got to preach this message, so I need to do this right. <laughs> just telling the truth. <laughs> I wait there. And it was so hard, man, because I'm like, this is why ain't nobody going to bring this stuff here, man. This is why y'all, none of y'all can't make a living, you suckers. <laughs> I was so mad. Oh, I was like, give me three minutes, which I'll teach you how to be a man. Oh. And, uh, and, and I just sat there, man, 10, 15 minutes, and it took them an hour to change out a battery as I stood there and watched them. And I just had patience. Praise the Lord. Good job, guys. You think you can find that piece of uh, metal you just dropped down in my fan blade? That wrench down there, they did. They lost the wrench down in and everything. Like, Praise the Lord. God bless you. Treat them as, with respect. Yeah, maybe they don't have it all together, but I don't either. But value them and not devalue them, not disrespect them, especially in front of their peers. Are you with me? Are you with me? You disrespect somebody in front of their friends and see, see how far you get with them. We think that we're going to somehow push our will and teach them something that doesn't really work. Here's another thought that I had. And, uh, and that is, uh, you value people when you tip them. Yeah, let me, just, let me just say this. If you don't have the money to tip, don't go to the restaurant. You got this little single mama who's working herself to death. And you're sitting there talking about, oh, church on the hill is so great. Don't say that. If you're not going to tip, say you've been at First Baptist or something. Don't say church on the hill. <laughs> tell me you go to First Baptist or something. Don't tell them church on the hill. And they work in their tent. You send them back. Oh, this ain't, this ain't warm enough. Send it back. I don't, I, I won't you don't send it back. Oh, no, no. I don't want the purple stuff, the pink stuff in my tea. I wanted the blue stuff. You're going to have to send that back. Give me some more. And then you work their little self to death. And then at the end of it all, you don't even tip them. That's called disrespect. Dishonor. That little person working as hard as they can and trying to do their best. And you need to treat them with respect. You need to honor them. So thank you. Thank you so much. My kids one time was on their phones, a couple of them. They were on their phones as the waitress was coming over, and, and she asked them a question. They just didn't even answer. And I reached over, and I grabbed that ear. <laughs> so that lady's talking to you, and you will never disrespect her again like that. <laughs> I just take water with lemon. That's right. She goes to walk off. said, no, 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 now you say thank you. I'm going to take you in that bathroom where the cameras aren't in there, and I'm going to whoop you. <laughs> I'm like you. I'll be looking for the cameras. I see. It's hard to teach children these days. I bet I won't beat a dog either. You saw that one on the news. My God, that poor guy. And the last thing, a couple last things, and that is you show honor when you say thank you. Hey, thank you. Hey, thanks for doing that. Hey, thanks for 
Taking an hour to put that battery in. Thank you. Lost half my day. Thank you. Thank you. Teaching me patience. Thank you so much. I love you. <laughs> it, it goes a long way, doesn't it? It shows respect when you say thank you. You know why some of you wives don't like you no more, bro? Because you never say thank you. You have an expectation for her to bring you the food out when you get home at a certain time. He ain't said thank you once. Well, that's her job. My job's go to work. Her job. That's her job. Is that right? Well, she put a little bit of arsenic in it. That'll be a part of her job. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I know you don't have to do it with a good heart and a good attitude. Thank you for loving me and serving me like that. Here's another thought. Are you still there? Say yes. Come on. We've got just a few more minutes. It says, uh, and here's the next one that I came up. And I'll teach you young adults this especially. Look people in the eyes and speak clearly to them. That's a sign of respect. Look me in the eye. Tell me, hey, uh, thank you. Or, hey, uh, listen, I, I, I had a difficulty with that. Look me in the eye. Don't, 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 don't text me the whole time. I, I was sitting with some people that I paid to come speak at something that I was in charge of. I paid for them. Then took them out to eat at a restaurant afterwards. And they were all sitting around the table texting, tweeting, Facebook, and whatever. And I'm looking at them like, I paid for this moment. And I told them, say, hey, 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 hey. And they're like, what? Oh, my God. I said, put your phones down. I'm not old. I'm just real. Look me in the eye and talk to me. Don't, don't text and look down at your phone the whole time you're talking to me. That's rude. I'll teach you how to respect. Teach you some. Probably save some of those people's ministries. And, and be a man. Be a woman. Look me in the eye. Talk to me, talk to me clearly. That's a sign of respect. All the grandmas and grandpas in this room ought to say amen. Because as we got to raise up a generation, they don't know how to respect. we got to teach them, okay? And then the last piece is just practical that I'm going to give you, and that is this. Uh, when you come back around after a problem, go ahead and just apologize for misunderstandings. Just go ahead and apologize. Hey, look, I'm sorry. I blew that last week, you know. I, you know, I, I was rude, and, and I was, you know, doing that the whole time. I'm sorry. I want to apologize. It's amazing how far an apology goes to showing me that you respect me, that you care for me, that you value me. If you don't value something, you don't have time to tell them you're sorry. That's their problem because you don't value them. That's the piece that's missing. See, that's what we got to get back to. October 3rd. Night, excuse me, October 3rd, 1863. We just, we're in the middle of our civil war here in the United States. And Abraham Lincoln declared that Thanksgiving would be a national holiday to be observed every year on the final Thursday or the fourth Thursday in November. We just come out of, in July 1st of that same year, we had the battle there at Gettysburg. And the war was so vicious and there were so many lives lost. It's the largest loss of life on American soil at one time ever in the history of the United States. 50,000 men plus lost their lives. But in that battle, something significant happened. It was then pretty much over. For the Confederates lost more men than they could replace. And the Union had plenty of men to keep sending. And so from a strategic vantage point, it was already over. And so just three months later, Abraham Lincoln declares a time of thanksgiving. That we will thank the Lord our God for his grace. The entire war, the entire splitting of our nation as brother fought brother and father fought son was all over one ideology. And that is that all men are created equal. No matter the color of their skin, no matter, no matter what 
whether they were born to uh, poverty or to wealth, that they are created equal in the image of our Father God. And our whole country was split over it, and there was a great war over it. And in the moment that the one man who was pushing forward that we must have equality, that we must represent all men as equal, that one man, instead of saying, ha, 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 I got you, he says, you know what we're going to do? We're going to sit down, we're going to eat together, and we're going to say, thank you, God, for what you've done for us. Thank you, God, that even in the midst of our civil war, that all the other nations did not attack us to try to destroy us while we were in a weak moment. Thank you, God, that in the midst of this, our crops continue to grow, that our industry continue to grow, and that we come out of this having been scarred, but having been brought forth into unity. Thank you, God, for what you've done for us and bringing our nation back together, because prior to that war, prior to the Civil War, we were a bunch of states that had our own little governments, and we were not us. We were not the United States of America. We were not one nation just yet. And this war did two things. It caused us to stop and say that all men are created equal. I don't care the color of their skin. I don't care where they were born. I don't care who they're from. I don't care how smart or not smart or how educated or uneducated. They're created equal in the eyes of God. And we will fight for it even if it splits us. And that split brought us back together in unity as one nation that began to fight off all the other nations of the world that hate us. And in that one moment, he created thanksgiving. Oh, Listen to me. When you sit around with your children this Thursday at the table, you better not just talk about pilgrims and Indians. Friend, you better talk about that our, our president said from this point forward, this is a national holiday to be observed every year. And it was a time where all men were said they are equal and that all men can be grateful to Almighty God for what he's done in our lives. That is what Thanksgiving is about. That's what honoring one another is supposed to be and how amazing that God lined out this message. I didn't even put this together. And that the end of this message would have this moment as we look to Thanksgiving and this point that, that we're to honor one another, the very thing that Thanksgiving is supposed to represent. Can you imagine? That's why we're, we're losing Thanksgiving. That's why you've got oh, this holiday over here. We're all about black magic and all this stuff and, the, and darkness and Satan and death and that kind of stuff. And then we've got Christmas and Santa Claus and we're losing this because no one wants to remember that it was Almighty God that brought us back together over one issue and that is that all men are created equal. That we are to honor one another and see each other as precious and special. I don't... What I love about this church is whatever culture you're from, I honor it. I think it's awesome. I love, I love that some of you got more bump in your trunk. That's awesome. God made you that way. It's pre- I honor that. That's precious to heaven and to us. I, I like the fact that some of you, you know, you take your shoes off before you go in a house because you're of Asian descent and you love raw fish. I, that, I don't like it, but I love that you like it. That's awesome. I love it. That makes you special and precious and wonderful and, and it separates you out. But yet we can all unify over all the things that make us different and make us beautiful and make us precious. I love that about us. And that's what heaven's going to look like. And we better start learning to honor that now. Here, we will be a church that brings unity. We will be a church that shows honor. No matter what happens in the world around us. No matter how fighting and back and forth, people dishonoring one another in each other's cultures, we won't do it here. It's not who we are. It's not who God is. And we hold to his holy scriptures. Honor one another. Honor one another in brotherly love. 
esteeming each other more than you esteem yourself. This is what the gospel really is all about. This is what family is supposed to be. And this is how you bring cultures, different backgrounds, different educational and economic backgrounds together is by honor. And the longer that we sit in dishonor for one another, the more disunity and destruction we'll have in our nation and our churches. Not so with Church on the Hill. Bow your heads with me all across the room. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Today we're talking about a culture of honor. About establishing a culture that is biblical. Jesus said, I don't do what I want to do. I do what I hear the Father say. And I only do what I see Him doing. For I honor Him. Jesus honored humanity by taking on the form of a man. He, he could have just writ, wrote his desires in the sky. He could have kept sending prophets to representing, but he came amongst us. That's the kind of respect and love for humanity that he had. Jesus himself did not overthrow the governing authorities. In fact, when tempted with the concept that Rome should not be over. Should not be controlling Israel. Trying to tempt him in that. Jesus says, hand me a coin. He says, whose face is on that? They said, Caesar. He said, then pay to Caesar what's Caesar's and pay to the Lord what's the Lord's. To catch the heart and nature of the Lord. See, I'm not talking about so much about do's and don'ts. It's about catching the heart of God. What it is to honor one another. Well, so I don't have to honor him because he's a thief. Let me tell you something. He's a living being. And maybe if he felt a little bit more precious in your eyes, sir, maybe he'd rise up to that place. Maybe he lives down there in lowly life because that's as far as he thinks anybody thinks of him. And he's only meeting the expectations that have been placed on his life. If you get around me, I'm going to challenge you to be better and stronger because I see greatness in every one of us. I see the nature of God bubbling up in your soul as you sit here with your head bowed and your eye closed I want you to start thinking where have I dishonored those in authority over me what can I do to change that maybe some of you are like me and you were it was brutal what you came through those in authority are the ones who brought you through it created that problem in your life so it's a hard place for you I know for me as well oh but the Lord's been so gracious Maybe you have someone that you just, you just can't stand them. You can't think good about them. You, you're struggling to honor co-worker, friend, relative. You're going to be sitting with them at Thanksgiving. How do I treat them as precious, Pastor? How do, I, how do I treat them with kindness? And how do I value them? Oh, Lord, may we have your heart, your nature when it comes to others. As you sit here with your head bowed and your eye closed. I want you to think on these things, and I want to now speak to those in this room that you're away from God. If you're sitting here today and you say, Pastor, i got to be honest, I, I don't, I'm pretty sure if I died today, I wouldn't go to heaven. I don't know God anymore. Maybe you say, Pastor, I used to serve the Lord, but just stuff happened, man. Life happened. I've gotten away from God. I, I'm separated or Maybe even divorce. You could call it divorce. We used to have a relationship. I used to be best friends with Jesus, but not anymore. Listen, I got good news for you. He's not mad. He didn't unfriend you. He's been reaching out this whole time. It's a miracle that you're here today. 
Rather that you keep coming back. Maybe you say, Pastor, I've never been a Christian, but I want Jesus in my life today. I want to ask him into my life. I got good news for you. He's here. He desires you. He values you. He wants a relationship with you. You say, well, how do we, how do, we do it? What do we do? Oh, it just starts real simply with a prayer. The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, he'll forgive you, he'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So today, I want to interact with you on that. I'd like to introduce you to my best friend, Jesus. If you've been away from him, I want to reintroduce you. If you've never known him, I want to introduce you. Picture like you're at a party. And you walk over to me and I say, hey, this is my best friend. I want to, I want to introduce you and I connect the two of you. And then I walk away and let you develop that relationship. That's what's about to happen today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, say, Pastor, I'm away from God or I've never been a Christian. I want you to pray for me. If that's you, would you lift your hand and be honest? Be courageous. Say, come on, I need to get right with God. Bless you, sir. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. It's time to get right with God. Bless you. I see your hand. Thank you, sweet lady. You're so precious. So pray for me. God bless you, sir. Pray for me, Pastor. It's time to get right with the Lord. I, 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 don't, I don't know the Lord and I want to come back. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Okay, God bless you. I see you over here. Thanks, Sarah. Okay, bless you, sweetheart. Come on, there's already been about eight or nine of you. Anybody else say, pray for me, Pastor. It's time to, I need to get right with the Lord. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm just going to introduce you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to humiliate you. I'm not going to make you a spectacle for everybody to clap for. I just want to connect you with the living God. Anybody else? Give about three more seconds, and I'm going to move on and just pray. I just don't want to miss anybody. Amen. God bless you. You can put your hands down now. Those of you that lifted your hands, I'm going to lead you in this prayer. There's nothing magical about the words. What's supernatural is that you are honest with yourself and with God and said, I need him. We don't have a relationship. I want to reestablish that. That's what's supernatural. The prayers are just going to be a connecting piece, and you're going to be changed forever. In fact, I'm going to, as I lead you in that, I'm going to ask everybody in the audience to pray it out loud with you so you're not by yourself. So could we do that together right now? Say, Jesus, out loud, Jesus, I surrender. My life, my desires, my dreams, to you and I declare in front of everybody Jesus is my Lord I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin wash me clean and here and now write my name in your book of life fill me with your Holy Spirit I promise to serve you all the days of my life in Jesus name you'll just keep your head bowed for a moment. Father, I pray for my friends who lifted their hand. Father, I pray in this moment they have a holy connect, that they would sense it. Lord, that they would feel literally like, like, like when Paul Paul put you in his lap when you were a little kid and, and, and held you. Lord, I pray they'd sense right now that your forgiveness has come upon their life, that they don't have to plead or beg. They don't have to do 2,500 Hail Marys, and they don't have to give money to the church, that they are right with you because they asked. And they don't have to do anything but receive. And Lord, teach them how to be friends with you. Teach them how to love you and be in relationship with you. Lord, may this church surround them and help them grow in you, become friends with you that are unprecedented. If you keep your head bowed and your eye closed for a moment, I want to pray for us that we would be people of honor. As you sit there, I know that one with the authority, honoring those in authority is a difficult one. I know it is for me at times. The Lord's brought me so far, and he's going to take you that, that distance as well. Father, I pray for those of us, Lord God, who struggle to honor those who are in authority over us. Lord, some of them are just not heads. Lord, some I don't know how they got those positions. But Lord, nonetheless, according to your Romans 13, you set them in that position. And so, Lord, teach us to honor. Help us to make them successful. Lord, deliver our hearts from the fact that, they, uh, that, they're, that they're, they're not a good 
They're not a good representation of what a leader should be. And help us just to let that go and, and, and do our best and, uh, and love them unconditionally. Lord, for those of us that are struggling to show honor to another person, another person of race, another person of ethnicity, another person of, uh, of financial status, or we show more, greater honor to those who have a little bit more money, or those, oh God, who are a little smarter than everybody else. Lord, would you help us with that? Would you, would you bring balance to that in us in Jesus' name? Lord, may our children, in Jesus' name, may they know what it is to be people of honor, to honor those that even that others are not honoring. And Lord God, may we be the kind of church that has such an atmosphere, such a culture of honor, that no matter who you are when you walk in, you sense the love of Christ, and you know that you're loved and you're valuable. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted, amen and amen.